Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, you can have a great product or service or even a great vision for the country. But if you don't have a communication strategy, that is equal to your product or service or vision strategy, then the tumbling tumbleweeds just keep rolling on by. Uh, and as we move into the fall election, of course, many have described this as a tough environment for Democrats. But there's one candidate who's reaching voters in a big way and communicating in a way that might offer a blueprint for how the left can share their ideas with the rest of America. Helping us break all of that down, Ben Burgess, a columnist for Jacobin and an adjunct philosophy professor at Morehouse College. He's also the host of the YouTube show and podcast, Give Them an Argument. Uh, He joins us on the line. And Ben, you had a great piece uh, on John Fetterman. And what is it about him that is clicking and working as it comes to communicating uh, to people in his Senate race? Uh, Thank you, Boyd. Uh, Thank you for having me. I I think that, you know, looking at Fetterman, since he's somebody who, you know, is on the left of the Democratic Party, I think it would be fair to say I don't love his position on every single issue. You know, I have my criticism to get into. But, you know, he's somebody who endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. Uh, He does videos saying things like he thinks the health care is a right and it seems to me that he's doing a lot of things right that a lot of people with similar positions really aren't right i mean when i compare what he's doing to you know what like a lot of the people in the squad in congress for example do it seems like he's really putting the emphasis on kind of bread and butter issues that impact people's material well-being really stayed away from certain kinds of like culture war posturing that i see uh, i see way too many people doing and when he does talk about hot-blooded social issues, um, you know, like, you know, gay or trans rights, for example, I, it's, it seems to me that he does it in a way that isn't really jargony, isn't really laden with mm-hmm. language that sounds academic or sounds like it was dreamed up in a human resources department, <laughs> but is, is more the way that just an ordinary person might explain it to a friend that they disagreed with. Yeah, and it's, you know, I want to dig into that just a little bit more, especially this comparison between some of the messaging coming out of uh, whether it's it's Bernie Sanders or whether it's the squad uh, who have very different communication strategies that, uh, again, sometimes work and sometimes uh, rub a whole lot of folks the wrong way. Uh, here's a guy that mm-hmm. often shows up in a in a hoodie. 
but mm-hmm. talks in a way. I love the way you described it. He talks and explains things in a way you'd explain it to your friend. Why is it that that's working, and uh, what's the model there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the problem, you know, I mean, in some ways, I actually think the exciting thing about Fetterman is he's the first person from that wing of the Democrats that I've seen, to the extent that he is part of it, who has a communication style that reminds me of Bernie himself, right? I mean, you know, Bernie um, wasn't, uh, you know, Bernie didn't get to be as influential as he did and remake American politics the way that he did by lecturing people about, you know, their language choices uh, or, you know, picking a lot of, you know, culture war fights, right? I mean, he did it by staying like really, really on message and, you know, and, and just sort of clearly explaining the kind of moral impetus for his positions and then really focusing on the things that matter the most and impact people's lives the most. And I think that some other, you know, I mean, I mentioned AOC in the uh, in the article, uh, and I think some other legislators uh, like her really seem to be trying to combine that Bernie Sanders kind of economic message with this relentless appeal to to Team Blue in the uh, in the culture war, right? You know, to kind of the cultural sensibilities of um, of liberals, basically, which is. You know, which I think is fine, you know, for winning a congressional race in the Bronx, you know, but um, but I have a depressingly hard time sometimes imagining, you know, some of these people, if they were really trying to to reach a majority on a sort of national scale, I have a really hard time imagining that happening. Whereas I think if you look at somebody like Bernie, who was able to come as close as he did in some ways, or you look at somebody like Fetterman in Pennsylvania, you know, they have all the same you know, policy positions, yeah. right? You know, that they, uh, they don't, you know, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, of distance between them there, but I think that the way that they explain it, so it doesn't sound like you're lecturing people. It doesn't sound like you're trying to score points, you know, and, mm-hmm. and sort of show, you know, show that you're part of the right, you know, the right team on this stuff, you know, you're just sort of trying to earnestly say, well, here's why I think that we should protect this or that. Right. And and now let's get back to talking about healthcare. Yeah, and I think it's so fascinating because you, you sort of have a uh, a flip in this particular race in in uh, Pennsylvania. It's sort of the uh, the polar opposite of what happened uh, in the Virginia governor's race last fall, where you had Terry McAuliffe kind mm-hmm. of making it all team blue and all national. You had Glenn Youngkin, who kind of had his own version of uh, populism, going at just the issues, mm-hmm. the bread and butter issues. Uh, and so, is is that going to be the thing where you have someone like Fetterman who's making this? populist individual connection on those issues uh, versus someone like Dr. Oz, who sort of seems to be mailing it in from, uh, you know, Madison Avenue. Right. Or New Jersey, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I think that there's I think that there's something to that. Right. I, I think that, in you know, in some ways. Right. Like, even though, um, you know, even though Fetterman um, has a history of much more left alignments. Like I said, you know, he was the only uh, candidate for statewide office to endorse Bernie Sanders in 2016. You know, in some ways it reminds me like the, the Oz Fetterman dynamic reminds me just a little bit of uh, Obama Romney, mm. uh, even though again, uh, Obama's obviously a much, much more centrist politician, but I mean, they have a, but the way that, um, 
the way that Romney just struck many people as this out of touch rich guy, you know, in a way that I think was, um, you know, the Obama campaign was able to to use pretty effectively, right? I think that um, I think that Fetterman, especially because you know, I mean, he, I mean, as you said earlier, everything down to the way he dresses, which is not like. You know, he looks very comfortable dressed like that, right? Not like yeah. some politicians do, you know. Uh, <laughs> when you, you get know, the, like, when you like the jeans like... and the cowboy hat, then it's like, no, that just doesn't work for you, my friend. <laughs> no, exactly, right? Like a lot of people like try to do that. It's like, okay, please don't, you know. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, if he dresses like he could be a you know Metallica roadie or something, you know, that's who he is, right? And, uh, and I think that um, – and I think that that makes him, you know, and, and he has a very plain style of speaking. And I think all of that makes him a pretty good messenger for saying that somebody like um, somebody like Dr. Oz, who's this uh, wealthy celebrity who has mansions all over the country and world, who didn't even claim Pennsylvania as his primary residence, you know, recently said, look, how much does this guy really understand what ordinary people are going through right now with, you know, gas prices and food prices and pharmaceuticals and all of this stuff. Let's really, you know, let's really focus on this. And I think that even in a very bad year for Democrats, I mean, granted, there's a lot of time left till the race, but so far that seems to be working. Yeah. Ben Burgess, columnist for uh, Jacobin and an adjunct philosophy professor at Morehouse College. A great writer, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, again, really fascinating. You get into the communication strategy and you just see different races flip. Uh, but it does come down to that communi- communication strategy and connecting with individual voters on the issues they actually care about. Uh, got to be equal. It's got to be a communication strategy. We'll step aside. One last commercial break. Final thoughts coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.